The biggest international festival for the business of podcasting is back. The Podcast Show London will bring together thousands of podcast creators under one roof on the 22nd and 23rd of May. Also featuring major industry players, global brands and some of the most iconic voices in podcasting. Plus creator meetups, networking and an evening festival of unmissable live shows. Passes from £89. Book yours now at thepodcastshowlondon.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Father Knows Something. Uh, running co-pilot, we have Justin today. Running engineer in the background in the Bombay is Morgan as our producer. And uh, Holly found her happy place over there, which you cannot see. But of course, under a chair that Morgan draped, to be like a little cave. <laughs> Tonight, for a little bit of extra fun, I decided to highlight ping pong with the socks. They all have Those a are good ones. Yeah, they're nice. I they have my little ping pong things. Pack pickleball and ping pong. You good at ping pong? Uh, I actually paid a little ping. I, I can't do pickleball anymore because of my neck, but I did uh, play a little um, ping pong at the hangar. There's a there's a ping pong guy uh, table, and one of the guys that works there said. You know, let's play a quick game. So I would, you know, back and forth, back and forth. But we could actually get it. We were getting better. Okay. So uh, can I play? No. But can I can I rally back and forth without making too much of a mistake and have a good time? Sure. I'm pretty dangerous. Then I won't be playing. I probably make you miss every time. Yeah. Well, it's okay. But I go easy on you because I'm a nice guy. You are a very nice guy. Uh, do we have any updates for our show uh, from last week or the week before? We might. We might. Well, everyone, we're going to kick it off. So let's go. Episode 25. Okay. The theme here is guy problems. Guy problems. Okay, here we go. We're starting with an update. Okay. Just like you wanted. This is from episode 13, which was the one with my dad called Trusting Your Gut. Oh, that was a great episode. And right around the three minute mark was the original story. Okay. Hi, dad. I have an update and a follow-up question. You read my story about struggling with my baby and husband's lack of help. You said something along the lines of, you need to approach him as your partner, not as his mom. And oh my goodness, that was key. He literally said, I had no idea you were feeling that way and just felt like you were nagging me. He apologized and since then it's been substantially better. So grateful for an outside perspective, so here I am asking for another one. I've been having mother-in-law issues that are only getting worse. From the beginning, she has disliked me and made snarky comments. To start, she constantly compares me to my fiancé's ex. She has called me by her name multiple times and even wrote her name on the Christmas card she mailed us. When we told her we were expecting our daughter, who is now about 15 months, she said, Oh, I always thought my fiancé and his ex would have a baby. It continued like that throughout my whole pregnancy. She would scold me at family events for not eating I had HG, which is basically extreme morning sickness. She threw a fit that she was not going to be invited to the birth and other crazy things like that. Since our daughter was born, it hasn't been any better. When she came over for the first time, less than two weeks after my traumatic emergency C-section, she told me I needed to go into the other room to breastfeed because it made her uncomfortable. She has repeatedly disrespected my boundaries kissing the baby, passing her to other people without asking. We live about 45 minutes away from each other and she constantly sends rude text messages to my fiance and I about how rude we are for not visiting and things I'm doing wrong as a mother. Luckily, my fiance is on my side, not like some of the mama's boys you hear about in write-ins, but I'm stumped at what to do. She's been so awful that after my daughter's first birthday party at my mother's house, my mother said another in-law is not welcome back at their house. I volunteered to confront her, which fiancé said no to. I've tried killing her with kindness, and I've tried just ignoring her. Do you have any advice on 
handling this monster in-law? Well, the reality, unfortunately, is um, until you do something that overwhelms her with to give respect, you're never going to win. And you can't spend your life trying to impress and, and impress your mother-in-law. This woman is one of those women that no one is good enough for her son. She's got her own head trip issues that you're not a shrink to go deal with. If you told her to go get see a shrink, she'd tell you to fuck off. Right. <laughs> if you tell her to fuck off, you have another problem on your hand. <laughs> but this is your space. This is your your family. And I think that uh, you can certainly just say it the way it is. You know, you're not you're you're not going to be allowed in my sir. I'm going to let you know right now. I am not going to continue to try to. Uh, gain your respect. Obviously, you have zero respect for me. And I don't need you in my life. I would have loved to have had you in your son and also my child's life. And fortunately, very fortunately for me, but unfortunate for you, is your son and I are married. We are partners. And he is standing by me and he does not approve of your behavior with me. So you have an option to make. You can go clean up your act and decide you're going to respect me and watch our boundaries. Or you don't have to come within our world. You can watch from, you can be outside the window. I don't, we don't have to deal with this. If you're uncomfortable with me breastfeeding, remove yourself. Go in the other room. Right. That's, that's your problem. It isn't my problem. And I would, I would draw these boundaries and I'd live them very, very, very rigid right now. Because you can't give her an inch. Because if you give her an inch, she'll take a mile. She's, you tried everything else. So now you got to really play hardball with her. So would you be doing this even though the fiancé has said he does not want you to go confront her? Well, I think you have to have another discussion with him and say, we can't conduct our life this way. It's good. What's going to happen is that as, and I think you have to point out to your to your fiance, that as this behavior goes on and gets worse, it's going to have an interaction or it's going to have a, a, a reaction or a, uh, an offshoot problem with, with your child. And if there's going to be any relationship with her, with your grandchild, you need to, you need to get this in order now and bite this thing in the ass and get it on track because otherwise you're going to have holy hell later with the grandchild and the grandmother and, the, the, the grandchild will pick all this negativity up eventually and it will it won't be good for the for the family unit right so in respect of the family unit you can tell your husband and he can go to a professional I'm sure they might even say the same I look they might say something different but I can't imagine that someone would say if you're going to have any chance in getting this thing online you better act hard you better act fast and you better do it now because your child's 15 months old, and they start picking the stuff up at two, two and a half, and three, and four. And even though you don't think they're picking it up, by the time they're five, grandma this, grandma that. And and if he if he if he wants that for his mom, he's going to get that. If he wants to try to turn this thing around, he needs to be a partner with you together. And maybe you guys can go to a counselor and talk to even a, a counselor might get, give you better advice on on how to deal with this. But I, I don't think that. My, my my initial thought is you cannot sit here and try to placate to the, her anymore because it just doesn't work. She just you're giving her way too much power and you gotta pull that power away. Right. At least within your circle and in your home. Well, and it's tough to do because these are not really her boundaries to set. It's it's gonna rely more on the fiance setting the boundaries. Well, the the couple set the boundary, but they, they have it. Look, there are, there are a couple. I mean, you're with Morgan, and if you're with Morgan, you guys are you're a pack. I mean, it works out that yeah. way. I just think the like just as um, things are taken differently by who they come from, whether it be someone you're related to or not. I think um, I'm just relating back to the episode we had with the therapist on and Morgan's show, mm -hmm. and it was different situation, but same framework mm -hmm. and. Her biggest thing was I've had a lot of clients go through this and 
it's really the fiance that needs to lead the charge. Mm-hmm. Um, even though maybe Be- because the, because it's his mother, right? Even though she's the one that is experiencing kind of the, she's the one who's directly you she, know facing all of right. it. She's the one that's getting that. She's the one that's getting pounded because no one is good enough for her son. And since the other woman isn't there to beat up anymore, now she's going to beat up on her and use the other one as a witness or as as the as the ammunition to drive this woman away crying so she can say, oh, I got the power. I made her go away. She's a bitch. Right. We all we all see the play. And the bottom line is that he's got to get on board with her. He, if he wants any success in his relationship, it's time that he charges up and says, mom, you can, you can think that you're going to get away with this crap. I'm not interested in this shit. It's yeah. got to stop. Right. And if she's not going to do it, then if he's not going to do it, then she's got to go to him saying, this is not going to work. I'm going to put a stop to it. Either you're going to do it or I'm going to do it, but we are a couple and we are, as a couple are going to stand side by side and we're going to make this boundary. It's, this is not going to work. It's yeah. done. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's probably the only way to achieve this ideal outcome of a civil relationship with my mother-in-law that doesn't isolate us from my fiance's side of the family. Everyone on his side is great and welcoming other than her. And I don't want to deprive my daughter of a relationship with her dad's side of the family. Then it goes back to what I was saying. They got to nip it in the bud now and get her on track. Otherwise it's going to get bad. Yeah. Okay. Good update and follow-up question. (laughs) Two for one. Okay. And we're moving right into a second update. Okay. So this one's from an episode that was us two taking the next step. Um, And it's around the 19 mark. If you want to go check it out. Here's the update. Okay. Dear Jerry, I know you, Justin and Morgan love a good update. So I thought I would write in with mine. I was the OP who wrote in about moving in with my boyfriend, but hadn't told my mom because I was afraid of her reaction. Well, I told her. And it went so well. She is super excited for us and even offered to help us with some decorating when we're ready. I think it actually helped our relationship because there seemed to be a switch that flipped and she is realizing I'm an adult who can make her own decisions. Thank you for the advice, Jerry. And a big thanks to Justin and Morgan too. Let let your mom get involved. Invite her in. I think that's a beautiful thing. And the more that you become that she's invited and she feels, she, she sees both of you as, as her children, and it will be more a sweeter relationship that she will build with with your guy. Yeah. So I'm I'm all for it, and I, I congratulate you. Great. Yeah. Thank, thanks for letting us know. Yeah, I think it's cool because some of the things that sometimes you get really worked up about or worry about, mm-hmm. maybe you're just reading the whole thing wrong. And in this case, like that's the best outcome you could hope for. We we, we love it. Perfect. Okay, on to story one. Hello, I love both podcasts and I need a good father's opinion. I would ask my dad, but I feel like he doesn't have experience in this range. My question is dealing with being a stepfather and feeling like I'm not enough or ruining my girlfriend's kids. My girlfriend, 24 female, and I, 23 male, have been dating for a year and a half. We have been living together for around six months. I work a day job and she works an afternoon shift job. That is about 50 plus hours a week. She has two boys, one that is nine and one that is going to be six. Both boys do not have their fathers in their life. One from sexual assault and one was a very abusive man. I take care of the boys and take them to things in the afternoon. She takes them to school and appointments. I just worry I'm doing a bad job. I'm one of the only male role models in their life. My father was a great parent and I try to be a great example like him. I just worry about messing them up or being too hard on them. They are very smart, caring, and funny boys. I love them with all my heart. I just have a fear of letting them down. How do I get rid of these feelings? How do I parent them without feeling horrible? I hope this wasn't all over the place. Please reach out if you have questions. When I came into my kids' lives, there was one. There was my eldest at that time was five when I came into his mother's life. And he his father was really 
as much as he knew who his dad was, he was inactive daily. Uh, there was another man in mother's life that really was his role model. And so he was confused. All of a sudden, now I'm in this life, and he's trying to figure out, you know, who is he allegiant to? Kids have their allegiance. Yeah. And what they want and what they saw, and they don't want someone else, you know, coming into that territory. So it could become difficult. What I did with with Matthew, and this is really interesting, and I'm, I know he'll he'll listen to this. And I wish he was on the show with us today because it'd be a good one. Yeah, it would have been a great show for Matt. Um, I never went to Matt and said, "I am your dad." I went to Matt and said, "I'm I'm 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 your friend." And if you have anything that you want me to help you with, I'm here to help you with. And I may try to you know, help you with things and show you things that you may not like. I'll do the best I can. Just tell me. Yeah. So I never went in with that that position. When Morgan was born, she was born into my arms, basically. So it was different. So even though I am theoretically her stepfather, sorry, I'm her dad. That's She came into my arms. And her brother who's younger, uh, he did know, he does know his dad and his dad was a partner. But even though I was taking Morgan three, four nights a week as, as a child, because her mom and I were no longer together. And I would see Taylor, you know, crying at the window as, as a year, as a, a little fledgling, a year and a half old. And I said, oh, screw it. He's coming too. Yeah. And that's how I got Taylor. But again, he went right into that I'm I'm the dad thing. And I and I always said to all my kids, if you want me as your father, I'm your father. There's there's no piece of paper that's gonna dial this in. This is all your choice, your decision. You want my last name when you're old enough, when you're 18, you can have it. There, there's no demands upon you. It's all what you want. And just being there and like Matthew will tell you, I was hard. I, I, I was trying to get him to, to make his bed. And I remember when I was a kid, my father would always talk, brag about the army and he had to go you know, bounce a quarter on, on the cot. And so I, I tried to teach Matthew as a joke yeah. to make the bed the army way. He acts like it. To, if you ask him today, he would say, I was rigid on it and I was horrible <laughs> and I pounded it into him. I really didn't. But it's, it's funny, that's the way he took it. And to, he'll swear today, it's the army way. Was, yeah, we might need to get his take on it. So he, it would be interesting. So just all you can do is be there. Um, truly be honest with them. Don't try to, I mean, kids will pick it up. I mean, you, if you want to explain to them, explain to something in a way that it's simple, non-complicated. And, and I can be things sometimes I can wait, make it way too complicated rather than just... Am I a bad dad? I, all you can do is be the best dad you can and give them the best information and you're a good dad. Yeah. And the most important thing is don't lose your shit. Allow them enough lead that they can explore on their own. And if they make a mistake, you're there to go save them, but you're not there to stop them from taking the lesson. Sure. And that takes a lot of patience. I know that because of the one over, you know, the, the, the producer of the show. I remember one time she took something and threw it on the floor and broke it a thousand places. And yeah, we've I, I used, told that on here. Yeah, I, I've used to just have something called the oh well clause. So if you do the oh well clause, it, I've, someone taught me it. And I, I loved it. You, you let them know that the your expectation and the accountability is that they don't do it or they do something that's going to be wrong, that something is going to, that they like will be gone. And you can name what it will be. And they're going to test you. And when they test you and you pull it and you say, sorry, we're not going to do that. We're not going to get ice cream for the next week or we're not going to do this. And they have a fit. Your answer is just, I love you, but oh, well, you knew what the decision was going yeah. to be. You made it. You have to, this, it's not up to me. You made that choice. I can't take it away. You did it. Yeah. And I love the oh, well clause because it's just, oh, well. It's it's an interesting position to be mm -hmm. in more of that stepfather role, despite being probably the sole or main father male figure in these mm -hmm. kids' lives. So it's you're kind of walking that delicate balance between 
you still need to be a parent, but then also be a friend. There's gentle parenting techniques. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different ways out there, but I love the, oh, well, because that feels like an example of that. I never, I never yelled at my kids. Um, I would always say something firm. I would, if my no, my no was a no, my yes is a yes. I didn't vacillate. The day that Matthew got married, it was the most touching, one of the most touching times for me. I'm going to try to summarize it quickly because yeah. it came down, you know, that fathers make toasts and, and everyone makes toasts. And then the, the groom himself makes a toast. And when it came to the father to- the father's toast, he asked me to be to make the father's toast. And his biological father was there, which was probably even difficult for him. But sure, I, you know, I I took it as an honor, and I told Matthew, you know, for years, I'm 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 not trying to be your dad. I'm your friend. I'm a, I'm a I'm a male figure in your life, and I'm here for you. And after he was about six, he was it was tough when he was sixteen because it. I mean, one night he took my car and he destroyed it. And he, he snuck it back in the garage. I went to go leave that the next morning at 5.30 or 6 to go to work, and my car barely made it out of the garage. <laughs> <laughs> I think almost like the wheel. It was almost like one of those cartoons where the thing backs out at one time. All four wheels and the engine, the engine goes on the ground, all four, oh four tires goes this way. And, and I, I, it was like, I know I drove this thing in last night. <laughs> and so I went to his room, and I said, man, I and it was like six in the morning. I just tapped him. I said, man, yeah. did you use my car last night? And he wakes up and he screams, you always blame me. Did you use my car last night? Yeah. And I go, did it drive bad coming home? No, it was fine. I go, okay. So gremlins <laughs> must have came in the garage to destroy it. And really quick, uh, I towed it in. It was $3,000 to fix it. And they tore the engine mounts. They tore every every strut mount. Every part of this car was gone, and I couldn't get the truth, whatever happened. So finally, I mean, I fixed the car. Two years later, his best friend comes to me and says, can I buy the car? Because I, I think you're going to sell it. And I said, yeah. And I go, you, he goes, well, what do you want for it? And I gave him a price. He goes, because I don't have that kind of money. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $1,000 or $1,500 off. Tell me how much you want to pay. He goes, oh, I want to pay this for it. I said, okay, you can have it if you do one thing. Tell me what really happened that night. Yes. <laughs> and I found out what happened that night. And of course, we all know that that it was it was Trouble City himself that did it. He got chased. He 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 went to some other guys, some 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 gang some gangbangers in the car next to him, and they flipped him off. They chased him with guns. Matthew, it was the middle of winter in Superior, Wisconsin, northern Minnesota, where we have very bad alleys, very bad big potholes. He was doing a hundred miles an hour down an alley, hit potholes tore everything out and limped that car, still drove the car home, didn't tow it, limped that car. I don't know how he limped it five miles home. Wow. And got it back in that garage where she died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He decides at his wedding to come clean that he took my uh, brand new Harley Davidson out of the garage when I was on a business trip. And he ran it down into a, into a valley of, of, of death, <laughs> basically off the side of a hill. Or wow. Kind of, and him and his buddies somehow got this bike recovered on Saturday out of, out of the gully. They went, went to one of the buddies' father's shop. They painted it, did everything perfect. They got it back in the garage. When I walked in the house that Monday morning, eight o'clock when I came back from the airport, I walked in the garage and I go, God, what a beautiful bike. And he could hear me saying it to myself. <laughs> And he went like this, ah, oh, I got away from it. I got away with it. And there was this one piece of blue tape. I never knew what was it doing there. And I said, how did that blue tape get there? And I, no way. And at that wedding, that's when I found it out. I used to always say, if you guys can get away with it for six months, it's amnesty. If you could get away with it, you got it. When you come clean in six months, you can't get punished for it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Don't you think that promotes hiding things? Well, like. Uh, it probably does, but it certainly, at least I finally got the truth, what really happened. That's and, funny. That's so fun. My friend, when it comes to patience and being a dad, you will have great stories. You may not like them at the moment you the stories are created, but you'll love them later when you get to share them because you, you paid for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, oh, that's great. I mean, sure, these were bad things that happened, but 
look at how fun they are to talk about. They now. are, and my kids are all great. They're all healthy. They all have their limbs, and thank God that you know there are some tough times that you will look your, look at yourself and you'll see where you what you did to your parents, and your dad and mom can sit back and shake their head and roll their eyes, and maybe you can too now, but. It, it takes a lot of patience to get there. Just keep it. Awesome. I love those stories. Okay. Number two. Okay. Hello. I had to write about my situation as I, 24 female, really don't know what to do. Today, my ex, 31 male, who's also my son's father, showed up with a friend at my home. He hasn't seen our son since he was a week old as he walked away. He came back five months later asking to see him, but in this time, I had found out he was cheating on me while I was in labor at five months pregnant with our son. Luckily, managed to stop it and ended up going full term. I also found out that he was living a double life as he was a part of a drug dealing ring. So I told him to leave and that he wasn't seeing his son as he hadn't even sent as much as a message to see how his son had been doing in those five months. Flash forward to today, I was out with our son while my father was at home. My ex sent his friend to my door, since he's terrified of my father, to say he wants to be back in my son's life. He has been in prison for the past 10 months, not sure why, assuming it's drug-related. He's claiming he's a changed man and he just wants to be in his son's life, but now I'm stuck on if I risk trusting him to get to know our son. I don't know if he's changed and is still into drugs and aggressive. I also have a four-year-old who he was getting aggressive with, not physically. But I don't want my son to miss out on his father. Please help. I don't know what to do. It's not about me or him. It's what's best for my son. Well, the one thing that you did say is that, let's, let's go back to... Forget his biological, his biological son. Let's go back to your four-year-old. He was getting aggressive with him as far as the way he was handling him, fathering him, being a man in his life, because probably he never had a good example himself. Someone being a father to him that was responsible, because look how this guy turned out. He didn't go down the best path. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I understand you that he has rights, obviously. I don't know what kind of rights, but he's got rights because he is a biological father and he can go to court and they can, you know, do all kinds of things. But it's all going to involve him having supervised visitation. It's going to have him going through psych, you know, some psychological analysis to make sure where he's at. And so rather than force the courts to do this, I think that you have to have a discussion with him and say, in a, in a responsible way, not no tone. Your job is to protect your son from anything that he may have done bad or things that you witnessed even with your eldest child. And you have to say, look, I want you to get some, go for some psychological assistance on what happened in your life, in your upbringing. And you can't see our son, but it's going to be supervised. And it might be, someone that we have to bring in that is not me, so I don't trigger you, but you can have you know, good time with just you and him at a park or whatever that's certain, but it's going to be under the, the thumb of a professional to work, to work with you. So let me ask you then, mm -hmm. that's assuming she comes to the decision that she would like that involvement. Right, because what I heard her say, she wants she she would like to see him involved in his in his son's life, and I'm and I'm giving this direction because I heard that word. Now, if I didn't hear that correct, well, it's it, just basically it, I don't want my son to miss out on his father. Right. So, he, he this is a way that it could happen to be productive, and it will be good for him too because he he is going to see that there's a child and what it takes to have a child and the responsibility that he has to perform as a parent. And drugs isn't the answer. And, you know, being a thief isn't the answer. And it's being responsible, going to work, finding whatever that job is that's legitimate, being a part of your child's life. And as we had the discussion earlier, how to be a father by being a guide, but not to sit there and think, in order to be a father, you have to be a disciplinarian. 
A father is not there to be a disciplinarian. A father is there to share the experience and to help the experience be a growing experience for your, for your kids. Yeah. That's at least the way that I see it. She has all the power right now to do whatever she wants. And because she does want this, this relationship, maybe she gets to define the rules and see if he really qualifies. And if he doesn't qualify, he's out. I'm not, look, I'm not the expert. I've just got a DAD, a DAD degree. And that yeah, is it. I think it's interesting because I think the first step is coming. She said that, yes, I would like him to not miss out on, on his father. But at the same time, she says, I don't know what to do. It's not about me or him. It's about what's best for my son. So I think she needs to really try and come up with the what she thinks will be best. Mm-hmm. And if she thinks trying some involvement mm-hmm. is maybe worth it, then you start going down that route. I don't know what his rights would truly be after well, his involvement with the law and everything. Let, let me ask you this question. Let's imagine you are him for a second and you, you did your time and you did all this and Morgan had your child and she says, you know, God, Justin, you just, I don't want you around this kid. And you really have it in your heart that you want to see this kid. And also, let's talk about the kid. Won't the kid one day be mad at her for denying? You, you got to try to do what's, what's best under a controlled, agreed uh, arrangement without pissing everybody off. Because once it turns into war, war is bad for everybody. Yeah. I so, don't know. I mean, it's I don't even know how to put myself in the position. And I don't know with drug use, if that impacts your... That goes back into that following that thing. He's, he's on a fine tether. He goes off the line. She pulls all right. She, she says, I, buddy, I tried it with you. You got to really be... She's got to be clear with him. And he if, if he's the right end, he's, he can go to her and say, I am clear I understand this and I am willing to do the following. I want to be seem. I want to get to know my son. I want to be a good dad. And whatever I have to do to, to accomplish this, I am willing to do. Well, that's a pretty compelling thing if he's if he's honest about it. Yeah, and you'll, find, just, and you'll find out quickly if he's not. Right. And it's very scary to maybe put your kids in the situation. You keep it, you keep it under a very tight, tight leash. That's what that's what that's what the the person that's gonna be a part of the custody visit. Watch how it goes down. Be there as 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 to, to make sure that nothing goes down wrong and that, that, that hopefully mitigates that problem. Yeah, because from her position, I guess you're really fighting with the what ifs. So what if it could be a beneficial thing? What mm-hmm. if it could be a terrible thing? Either way, if you find a way like this to test it in the right way, given that all the circumstances lead up to it, right? then I guess you can make that decision more confidently instead of never knowing and saying what if. Okay. Okay. Number three. Okay. I'm a 27-year-old male, Jack, and my girlfriend is a 27-year-old female, Nora. Our mutual friend, Jane, 27, is in a relationship with a 29-year-old guy, Mike. Mike and Jane moved overseas in the last two years for work. They met and became a couple during the pandemic. My girlfriend briefly met Mike once, but I've never met him in person or spoken to him. Mike is planning on proposing to Jane in the next two weeks, and being that they're overseas, he's asked our friend group, majority of us have known each other since high school, and Jane's family to video record congratulation messages. He's asked everyone except for me. I'm really bothered by this as Jane and I have known each other since we were 14 and best friends for the past six years. Jane and I have become even closer friends than her and my girlfriend, as well as most of the friend group. So it seems really strange that I'm the odd person out. I've narrowed it down to three possible reasons. It's an intentional decision. Not sure why that would be the case. Two, Mike forgot about me. Also not sure how that's possible. Or three, Mike could be thinking that Jane and I are only acquaintances slash friends 
through the fact that Jane and Nora are friends, so maybe he's unaware that I have a separate friendship with Jane. I'm certain he knows me because Jane and I have set double date plans together when they return, and I've passed messages along through Jane expressing how glad I am to see the two of them living happily together. I can't ask Jane about it beforehand, obviously, and I don't think it's right to ask her about it afterward and make a special moment for Jane about myself and my feelings. I feel it would be weird to message Mike and ask why he didn't ask me or try to insist that I need to be part of it, especially if it is an intentional decision. Being left out on a monumental moment for one of my best friends hurts. Only my girlfriend and I know that I wasn't invited to speak. I need advice on how to handle this. Should I just bury my feelings and act like everything is all good? Or is there a polite way I could bring this up before or after the proposal? I don't want to make Jane's special moment about myself, but I can't help but feel a certain way about being left out. Uh, the fourth possibility is that Jane talks about you and he's very jealous of you and insecure of you. Exactly my thought. My feeling is I would go record. Nora is going to record her recording. You can do a recording with Nora as a couple because you are a couple. Both of you can get on there and do it. And there's nothing you can do about that. And it's in there and it, 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 it's, it's done. Or you'll find out on a different way if you want to be a, a little more sneaky is make a recording on your own send it in so Norris goes in, yours goes in, and then he can say, oh my God, you'll find out one, two, three. Thank God he sent it in because I could see they were important. And it's all about what you say and what you share. And, or if it totally gets wiped, it's the jealousy. Yeah. And that's that, that's called control, my friend. And now he's trying to control Jane. Now, remember, this is only an engagement. It's not the wedding. And after the engagement's over, you can say, I want you to know, Jane, you know, we've been friends for, you know, for umpteen years. And that came out. I didn't do it. And I sent it in. And he controlled you. He, he filtered it out. And I think you had a right to know that I really love you enough or care enough for you as a friend that I wanted you to, to get it for me, too. So it's there. And here's a copy of it. And wow. she and she on her own can say, I know how to deal with this and let her deal with it on her own. But that's what I would do. I'm just picturing being in that situation with those two options. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, I know it's tough because it seems like this is a very tight circle of friends and they've been friends forever and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you don't really want to screw it all up. Yeah. But I am tempted to to record my own and really know what's happening. That's why I said, I no, said I know that. that's what I mean. So of the two options you said, I'm really tempted to go that route personally, mm -hmm. just because you know, I mean, you have all these questions and you're like, it's probably stirring in your mind. But, but, but he is a couple with Nora. And if Nora and him stand together and do it together then that will also reassure him that he is not a threat and that they are friends. So if you're really a friend and you want to support your friendship, you can do that and see how it, how that, that's the, that's the lesser of the two evils. For that, sure. That is certainly the one that will get by. And if he cuts you out of Nora, the one that, if you do a tandem with Nora and he cuts you out, Oh, then he's, he's, I don't, th yeah, I don't, I mean, th he would be absolutely <laughs> moronic and stupid. Yeah. And <laughs> I know it, it's, I know it's probably the best route. You know, it's, you just gotta, you know, there are the two options and, and you're certainly going to, you're, you're going to find something out. But if you go do the one with, uh, ask Nora, Nora, do you want to do your own? Or you want me to do one with you? I'm sending it in. Nora's your partner. She can say, you know something, honey? Let's do it together. You know, I want to do my own and I want you to do your own. And the, all of a sudden it's off. It heats off of you because you acted as a friend. You went to, you went to the woman that is your partner. She, she went along and said, now if Nora says, no, you're not going to do it. 
that's where you can say, you know something, honey, I, I, I thank you that you don't want me to be a part of it, but I am going to do mine. Because you do have the feeling that you want to say something to her. Oh, for sure. And you are going into it the legitimate thing. So. Okay. By the way, it's a standard thing for us, but you got to write us back and tell us what you did. I know, this one, yeah. <laughs> Come on, please. Update city. Yeah, you got to update us on this one. <laughs> okay. Number four. Number four. Four. Oh, there's that golf ball. Ha. Huh. Dad jokes. It's dumb. Hello. I wanted to start out with some background before jumping into the story. Okay. I'm a 30-year-old male, and I have a fiancé who is 26. I have a brother a year younger than me who moved away. My parents live in town, as do my fiancé's parents. My dad is a bit older than my mom, who's in her 50s. He's in his 60s. My mom comes from a large, eccentric family, and he comes from a small family. So there's the whole dynamic for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, into the story. My mom has undiagnosed borderline personality disorder. My fiance is very familiar with these personality disorders and bipolar as her brother has these. We know she was diagnosed with something as a child, but she now refuses to accept it and isn't on medications. She's ill and we don't know how to tell her or help her get help. I love her, but she's really, really hard to be around and it makes my relationship with my dad hard. It's hard to see him when she's so up and down. I've been seeing a therapist for four years because of the on and off relationship with my mom and I even brought her in once with me. It made things worse. I'm wondering what to do at this point. I'm thinking of getting my brother and dad on the phone and talking about the situation if there's anything we can do with my mom or how to ask her to get help without being rude. Since she doesn't accept that she is sick, I say that with love. I really do. I care about her, but it hurts me to be around her. I just don't know what to do anymore, and I'm so tired of trying to work on a relationship that is never going to get better. But if I don't talk to her, I can't see my dad. It's really tough if someone is not willing to accept there's something going on if you can when you talk to your mom and you can see her going off and she's yelling and she's all over the place and she's not obviously she's not happy at that moment i mean she's probably feeling worse than anybody's feeling because she is just overwhelmed with stuff and she's out of chemical balance probably on top of it so how do you do an intervention to get her to be on the other side, there's got to be some experts in this that will be able to help her to get the balance of the medication. She has to be part of the solution because you can't get help unless you're, you want help. Right. And everyone loves their parents. They want to see their parents he uh, he uh, healthy and happy. Maybe you can catch her when she's in a good balance because obviously when she's in a bad balance, if it doesn't work, Try the other thing. But I would consult with a specialist in this field. I am not that specialist. Right. I'm, 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 I'm only able to offer you that you're on the right track. You're asking questions. You're looking for the help. And I'm going to be responsible enough to say, continue that path. I'm just not the guy. Yeah. Do you think he should work together with uh, brother and dad? He, he needs to work with it. They all have to go talk talk to a specialist together. Someone's got to find the specialist or, or a couple of different specialists to yeah. go talk to. And then together, the father, the dad can go say, how do we deal with this and get mom to, because someone's has experience in this. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely people that know the right procedure, the best practice to... And, and to make her, because the only way it's going to change is if she's part of the solution. That's right. She may be the problem, but she also is the solution. Right. Uh, just, just some additional other background on it. Most mm -hmm. of her siblings don't like hanging out with her anymore because of this. She cries about it a lot and gets angry and says everyone abandons her. Mm -hmm. They all have their own issues too, but we get it. She's really hard to be around. 
She does go to a therapist, but more like a life coach that just reaffirms everything she does instead of actually giving critical thought and feedback. She needs to go to a psychiatrist. Psychologists psychiatrists have the ability of prescribing or a neurologist. Someone that is trained what you're, you're going to have to go really find the research of all the symptoms that yeah. are going on and find someone that can really be the right person. You go to, it's easy to go to the wrong doctor. It's easy to go to the wrong lawyer. Yeah. It's easy to go to the wrong everything, car mechanic, find the right one. Right. Well, and you'll just give, you'll give this situation the best chance of getting better. That's right. You're, you're going to be, you'll be setting yourself up for success and the family for success. And she will thank you at the end of the day. How could she not? She'll be happy. Yeah. Okay. Well, we wish you the best and update us and happy research. Sorry. I couldn't give you better. It's just out of my, you know, I, I mean, I can. Yeah. Do... But I, I think just pointing even in a direction, I think sometimes when you're faced with situations, you get overwhelmed and you don't think clearly and you don't, Maybe even if it's a simple answer as like, you got to find the right person to bring in or mm -hmm. talk to, it can be hard to connect those dots when you're going through something. Yeah. So I think even that is very I, helpful. I, I liked your process of just opening the door and in the way that you presented it to us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, last one. Hi, Jerry. I'm wondering how to find someone because I'm 34 male Jehovah's Witness. I want to start out by saying I'm one of Jehovah's Witnesses and I'm 100% happy with the path I've chosen. The problem I'm having is that I'm 34 and single and haven't been able to find someone who I can even have a chance at dating. With the lockdown that's been going on, it's made it hard to meet people in general, much less single women. Also, we're discouraged from online dating because of the dangers involved in it, and I realize I'm not the best looking person and my personality can be grading, but I would at least like the opportunity to meet some single women who have the same spiritual goals as me. I'm unsure of how to go about all this. It all might be out of your wheelhouse, I know, but any advice you might have, I would definitely take to heart. Thank you for your help. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the word my wheelhouse. The part that's out of my wheelhouse is I don't know what your cultures and your religious protocols are i have no knowledge of about your community right you know but i do know this because you're 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 such a believer and you are an active in the in the community that you are in as as a jehovah witness my i i can't believe that jehovah witness don't have events where you, the community gets together for even it's for congregation that in itself you will find people that are are of Jehovah Witness. And being a part of your community should be enough to meet people that are in the same belief, are in the same culture that you right. that you that you live every day. Online dating, I would I would be a fool if I said there's not some danger. Yeah. I know that anyone that has any semblance of try to be prudent in what they do you can try to mitigate that danger as much as possible. I know when, when I was in the, uh, the dating world, I certainly tried to keep everything in public places. I tried to say, let's go for a walk in a park. Let's go to a museum. Places where we can meet and we could leave. Right. Um, I never picked up a date and said, hey, let's go on a date. Those days that I've ever experienced back when I was in high school, you'd, we'd go to, you know, uh, socials that we mm -hmm. meet people of our same faith and we meet there and we would all get in cars with each other and we would go off to you know a restaurant and have coffee at the end of the evening and who else knows whatever else went on but the bottom today's a different world right so you can do things in a safe way by meeting somebody uh, around other people and go for a walk and and it's all about your own speed of being able to say is this person truly a jehovah You'll know quickly by, by having conversations of what you guys see or believe. Right. And still, you know, you got to open the door. I mean, yeah. I mean, without opening the door, you're not going to meet anybody. So you, 
take take the stuff the safest tack and that's in your own congregation yeah when i think too just coming out of lockdown and everything to do with covid Mm -hmm. people are wanting to meet people people are wanting to be back out and just finding like-minded people not being alone and surrounding themselves busting at the seams for it right I, I, I can't imagine that there's not some things on conclaves or something that are going on within the Jehovah community that you guys aren't meeting to try to grow your 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 beliefs. Right. And community. So just lean in even more. I, I would do that. And also if if you're gonna go out of the Jehovah community and find people in another community, then you're gonna go find things that you find safe and charities that you may like to do and you will find out real quick when i uh when i was met the woman that i'm with now uh she we um, i talked one of the most important things for me was transparency i don't want to have to you know have something later come up and bite me in the butt right or have you got something later so you got a question you can ask me anything i'm going to give it to you straight and we were very transparent within our lives and our history and our past. And some of her friends got mad at her for telling me certain things. And I said, why? And she goes, well, they thought I shouldn't have said those. And I said, well, bottom line is, is that I'm here because you did. And you, you made the judgment call that I could trust this guy. So you, everyone has to go look and see where your comfort zones are. Keep everyone in a safe place. Because obviously, when you're with somebody that you do care for, you're going to make sure that you keep them in a safe place. Right. So start in the beginning. Very good. Okay. That is uh, 25. Well, everyone, thanks for, for chiming in for 25. And we look for you on our Patreon. This is a seatbelt one. Oh, it is a seatbelt one. So we'll, we'll put them on. And uh, we hope you have a great week. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. International Festival for the Business of Podcasting is back. The Podcast Show London will bring together thousands of podcast creators under one roof on the 22nd and 23rd of May. Also featuring major industry players, global brands and some of the most iconic voices in podcasting. Plus creator meetups, networking and an evening festival of unmissable live shows. Passes from £89. Book yours now at thepodcastshowlondon.com.